Welcome back to another Edge God In podcast. Thank you for pushing that pause button to Edge God In to your mind, your will, and those crazy emotions. Emotional intelligence in Christ has been linked to Edge God In in the last several years. Edge God In podcast is the voice of emotional intelligence in Christ. If you haven't explored our project, I invite you to do so. You could visit us at Emotional Intelligence in Christ. Dot com. Our goal at Emotional Intelligence in Christ in the project is to create cultures, individuals as well, filled with followers of Jesus who practice emotional intelligence in Christ in their thoughts, words, deeds, and interactions for the glory of God and the salvation of souls. Our mission is to create learning systems that lead to the experience of God's love, which empower individuals to manage emotions and behaviors that glorify God. Are you seeing a common thread here? It's all about glorifying God, my friends. Our heart beats because God is thinking about us today and loves and adores us. We have several different offerings at emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com. We have a book. We have a six-week study guide, a course, um, assessments as well. So check it out today at emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com and join our community as well. We offer a tip in emotional intelligence in Christ about twice a month. So you can sign up for that as well. Edge Got In has been around a little bit longer than Emotional Intelligence in Christ Project. And you can explore the different topics at edgegodin.com. Our mission at Edge Got In is to champion your human potential in Christ. And how do we do that? We do that by allowing Jesus to be our mentor in the area of emotional intelligence. The definition of emotional intelligence in Christ is the activation of the Holy Spirit within us to help us do two things, discern and manage our personal emotions and behaviors in a way that honors God by loving others well, as Jesus did. You can visit edgegodin.com and, and print out a one sheet that will help you capture your learnings for today's topic. The title for today's podcast is A Simple Solution to Grow Closer to God. Hmm. I can use something like that today. The learning objective at the end of today's podcast is that you will learn this simple spiritual practice to help you grow closer to God. Less is more sometimes, my friends. And this is one of those topics today that less is more. And it also gives you the opportunity to transfer it pretty darn quickly after you listen to our topic today and explore the verses that go along with it. Let's jump in. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Sweet Jesus, you walked in simplicity. Teach us to do the same. You had your eyes fixed on accomplishing the purpose for which your heart beat, for the sake of salvation of souls. Then you sent us out. You gave us the great commission to make disciples of all nations baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you also gave us the power within us, filling us with your Holy Spirit to do your mighty work. Give us the grace of the pause 
so that we can learn from today's scriptures. The freedom that came when you shared with the disciples, let the little children come to me, for theirs is the kingdom of God. It's amazing, Lord, watching little children. They're completely present to the moment. They're not needing to own it, define it, project it, cast it into the past. They're completely present. Your invitation is simple. To love you, believe in you, surrender ourselves to you, and live in the freedom of your love. Give us the grace to do that more today than yesterday. In your most precious name we pray. Amen. Micah 6.8 is a powerful and simple invitation. There are three directives in that verse. Seek justice. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. Seek justice. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. Keeping that in mind, let's move to a New Testament verse in Matthew 22. Quoting Isaiah, and the greatest commandment. It's actually spoken throughout the, all of the Old Testament in different ways, to be honest with you. And the theme is the same. Love God with all of our hearts, minds, souls, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Matthew twenty two thirty nine. And as I mentioned earlier, Matthew twenty eight nineteen, make disciples of all nations. Now that's a daunting task, right? <laughs> How do we do that? We keep it very simple, my friends, just as Jesus did. He met one human being at a time, met them right where they were at, oftentimes inviting them to think about what they did want. What do you want me to do for you? As Jesus asked many people. Lord, I want to see, said the blind man. Lord, I want to walk, but people keep jumping in front of me. Lord, heal my son. It's a powerful reflection thinking about how Jesus used simplicity to make God recognizable. Many times we make it very complex. I'm a big fan of Mother Teresa's writings. She has an amazing ability to make the complex very, very simple. She was quoted saying that God didn't put me here to be successful. He put me here to be faithful. She also said we can do no great things only small things with great love. Jesus was about simplicity and an unwavering sense of focus and purpose. He made disciples out of all nations. He is, he is continuing to make disciples out of all nations because we're part of the Great Commission. And he did it one person at a time. 
There's no need to reinvent the wheel, my friends. Jesus has shown us the way. Who's in your path today? Who are you planning to encounter today? Have you taken a moment to ask God who he desires to touch through your presence in their life today? Perhaps it's flowers. Perhaps it's a phone call of encouragement, a text. Perhaps it's physically going over there and saying, hey, what can I do to be helpful? One person at a time. Following Jesus' lead, the simple solution to grow closer to God comes from a spiritual practice that I heard this week from St. Ignatius of Loyola. He had quite the spiritual journey, for those of you who aren't familiar with his life, and his final surrender of everything, his will, his emotions, his training, everything. One of his most famous prayers was the, that prayer of complete surrender of every single thing that had been gifted to him or that he had studied for, and basically he just tosses it into the lap of Jesus. Do with me as you will. Whatever you want, God. And part of this thrill of surrender that St. Ignatius lived in came from this simple spiritual practice in the form of a prayer, dear God, move me away from anything in my life that causes me to step away from you. Move me towards those things that draw me closer to you. It's pretty simple. That's it. <laughs> it's a wrap. Move me away from everything in my life that separates me from you. Move me towards everything in my life or those things that perhaps I'm not even tuning into right now that connects me to you. However you would like to word that, the simplicity is moving away and moving towards, removing those things that cause you to move away from God and move towards those things that draw you closer to God. So let's put this in a system, a workable, simple system. I did this this week for myself. Just write a T-chart when you get a moment. If you're driving, just keep this in your mind when you get to the point where you can write down a T-chart where you just, it's basically a T and on one side, you write down on the top things that move me away from God, things that move me towards God. Here are a few to think about, and this is just from my own list of observations and things in my own life or the lives of people that I've witnessed. And therefore, all the more I want to be committed to a certain state of being in the midst of that type of thing that moves you away from God. The first one is slander and gossip. Hmm. Can you relate to that at all? There's many different corners. Shadows. 
linked to the expression of gossip and slander. I heard someone mention it this way. It's a story you tell that's not yours to tell. We have, my friends, an innate desire to be connected, to feel safe in connection. Satan slithers in that human desire and twists it to the point where we actually will flip it into something that moves us away from God, gossip or slander. Gossip and slander actually comes from our desire and our need to be connected. There's nothing better than being the one to share the news. However, we're called to be the ones that share the good news, not somebody else's story. We're called to share the good news of God's love, to share the good news of God's forgiveness, of God's desire to meet his people right where they're at. So gossip, Colossians 3.8, rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. I had a talk with someone the other day who was using the F-bomb, and I really care about this person. So I prayed about it. I used to use the F-bomb like it was an adjective. I grew up in Long Island, and perhaps you've heard in my other podcasts, I actually had a friend that confronted me with that when I was a teenager, my BC days before Christ got a hold of me. That was the first thing he cleaned out of the house, by the way, was my tendency or habit of just cursing like a sailor and using the F-bomb quite a bit. And so when this person who I care very deeply for was using it, I prayed, like, how do I, how do I approach them with this? because I know they love you. So how can I speak the truth in love? And that's that's the other side of the T-chart on this one. Gossip and slander, Colossians 3.8 says, rid yourself of it. Ephesians 4.15 says, speak the truth in love. So my prayer was, how do I speak the truth in love in this situation? So it's not coming from a place of judgment because this person knows I used to use the F-bomb myself. <laughs> and so that's a that's a sticky conversation. And the Holy Spirit moved me to remember my intonation, my facial expression, and my word choice to use all three of those and link them to God's love and mercy for that person. And it came out this way. I care about you so much, so much so that if I don't say something, then this isn't helping you in your spiritual journey. And Lord knows I'm totally guilty of this myself in my life. So I'm not coming from a place of judgment. So right away, I state what I don't want to do. It's called contrasting in crucial conversations. I don't want you to feel like I'm judging you because listen, I'm totally guilty of the same thing. Yet I do know this. We're told in scriptures that to rid ourselves of filthy language from our lips, it's actually fueled by a dark serpent that slithers in and causes us <laughs> to use filthy language. It comes from a place of, which is our next one under what to move away from a place of anger and rage. 
And so I said, I don't want you to feel like I'm judging you at all. I just care enough about you to let you know that this isn't of God. Um, I understand you're upset and um, anxious about a lot of things. And I get that. And I'm here for you. And I'm also inviting you to ask the Holy Spirit to protect you from being used by Satan. Because that's what it is. Anytime that we're hijacked into anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, we're being used by Satan to expand his agenda in the world. When you love someone, as I do, this person, you're moved to want to stand in the gap of invitation to speak the truth in love for the sake of their closeness with God. So that's just an example. So, Lord, move us away from gossip and slander because that separates us from your love. It doesn't separate us. Excuse me. Let me re reframe that. Nothing can separate us from God's love. What it does is it moves us away from God because we put the wedge in between our relationship and we want to move towards God by speaking the truth in love. And that takes discernment and grace. Use the contrasting method from crucial conversations. You state what you don't want to do and you state what you do want to do from a place of humility. The second one that causes us to move away from God is anger and rage. It's actually in the same verse from Colossians 3.8. Proverbs 10.18 also says, whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. So again, it's amazing how these verses clump together, these three things that I kind of pulled apart, gossip and slander, anger and rage. What's the solution of something that can move me toward God when I do feel anger or frustration can even fall in there? It's all coming from the same spirit, right? Usually you're not getting something that you want, or somebody else has gotten something that you wanted, or you're afraid that God's not hearing your prayers and you might have to go through some suffering or feelings of uncomfortableness in your life before getting to what you want. Either way, it's Satan's attempt to move us away from God, to get us flared up, because then we can't tune into love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. It comes from the primal part of the brain, and it happens when we feel threatened. Again, going back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, safety, and connection. Anytime something outside of us causes us to feel threatened, well, they might not like me, they might not include me, or I might not get that promotion. Maybe so-and-so is going to get it. Um, I might be overlooked, unseen, underappreciated. Either way, it flows from me, myself, and I. Satan knows it, so he slithers in and he tries to light that fuse. And many times anger and rage is behind lying lips, hatred. Whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and, and slandering is a fool. So hatred is concealed by lying lips and spreading slander. This is a piece that's kind of an extra gift for us in this scripture, because it lets us know that lying lips and spreading slander actually comes from hatred. Hatred actually comes from feeling less than, as I mentioned. Fear fuels hatred. 
I'm not going to be enough. I'm not going to be acknowledged, recognized. I won't get what I want. And that makes me mad. Or I'm misunderstood. That's the other thing. You're not understanding me. Either way, it moves us away from God. So on the other side of the T-chart, we focus on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Colossians 3 again, 3.12 through 14. A couple of podcasts before, I took a deep dive into Colossians 3. It is packed full of incredible wisdom. Don't do this. Do do that. How do we do that? Definition of emotional intelligence in Christ by the activation, the infilling, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us to help us discern and manage our personal emotions and behaviors because it is animal planet out there, my friends. <laughs> and that's what happens when we feel threatened. The frontal cortex restricts, shoots the blood to the back part of the brain, to our limbs, so that we can have three reactive choices, fight, flight, or freeze. Nothing good happens in animal planet. Satan knows it. That's why he wants to light the match, set the haystack on fire, because he knows nothing good comes out of that rage. So as we read in Colossians, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That's the, that's the remedy. That's the balm, my brothers and sisters in Christ, to anger and rage. Dear Lord, help me to see this situation from the other person's point of view. I heard this week, too, uh, an incredible reminder, and God reminded me that this several years ago, and it was cool hearing, hearing this word of knowledge come from somebody else this week, that um, until you can be truly, truly free, I'm talking Galatians 5, 1, freedom, which is one of our foundational verses that Edge got in, until you can be truly you're not truly, truly free until you can step into this space. And it takes grace, my friends. Believe me, I'm still in this earth school class where you can be truly happy for someone who gets something that you wanted. And you can be truly happy for that person until you can be truly happy for someone who gets what you want. You will never get yours because God loves us enough not to leave us in that ugly, restricted place of the primal brain where we can only fight, flight, or freeze. That's where self-judgments, that's where slander comes from, that's where lying lips come from. All kinds of animal planet craze happens there. <laughs> that's where the cheetah jumps on the back of the zebra and takes you down, pulls you from the pack. So come back to do move, move towards God by asking the Holy Spirit to give you a compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, and patient spirit for people around you. Compassion, by the way, is to care about the misfortunes of other people so much so that you actually want to do something about it. And that, my friends, is how Jesus lived and moved and had his being. So many times, there is a podcast entitled, Jesus Was Interruptible, Are You? If you haven't had a chance to listen to that one, that's going back in the archives a bit. You can go to edgegodin.com. There's a search bar and just put interruptible. Jesus was interruptible is the title. Are you? Jesus was interruptible, interrupted in the chapter of Luke numerous times for the sake of people in need. It's a litany of examples. where he allowed compassion to override his to-do list. 
He was, if you notice when you listen through that, he is on the way to do something. Jesus is a purposeful uh, uh, human being, God, son of God at the same time, but he was always on purpose, living on purpose. And he'd be going to do one thing and then interrupted uh, to do something else. An example, he was going to heal Jairus's daughter. He was interrupted by the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. And then he was interrupted when he was being interrupted. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, my friends, moves us toward God. And it's not something that comes easy when we don't get ours. Ask for the grace to enter into that. The result is true freedom. I remember the Holy Spirit putting this on my heart a while ago in the shower, and I shared it in several different podcasts, but it was an epiphany. If you truly want to be free, Lauren, and step into Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that I have set you free. Stand firm and don't allow yourself to be burdened by the yoke of slavery. Yoke of slavery, of wanting to get yours, and getting upset when you don't, when somebody else gets theirs. <laughs> Pretty simple. So pray for the grace to rejoice in the success of others over your own was the message he gave me. Then you will be truly free. And it's true. I've prayed that for several years, and I've become a lighter version of myself every year as a result of continually praying that prayer. Haven't fully mastered it, and yet I'm not where I used to be. Thanks be to God. So the last one today that I wrote down in my T-chart on the left side, what moves me away from God, is being offended. In Matthew 24, 10 through 12, in the end times, people will take event, offense. And as you've heard me mention before, the etymology for the word offense, to be offended, is scandalon. And it's actually the part on a trap that catches animals that holds the bait or that snaps down, holds, holds the bait, holds the bait to snap down on the animal. And that's the word offense. So what Satan's trying to do is he's trying to snag you by getting you to be offended. Just know that. Just knowing that can help you to ground yourself in God. And how to do that is to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So when you're offended, you're going to have negative emotions, probably in 125 thousandths of a second. That's how quickly it's been clocked. When a human being experiences the emotion of offense, it happens in 125 thousandths of a second, meaning it's almost impossible to stop it in its tracks. So it's not a matter of if you get offended, it's when and how quickly can you recover? And, and what is your source of recovery? So we know this, that the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword cutting through soul, heart, marrow. It goes right down. So as quickly as possible to have a verse that you use in response to the feeling of being offended, the quicker you'll recover from being offended. You can choose Galatians 2.20. I've been put to death with Christ on the cross. It's not about me anymore. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives within me. This life I live, I live by faith alone in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. For it's God who works within me both to will and to act according to his good purposes, Philippians 2.13. 
I'm the handiwork of God. I'm not here for me. I'm created in Christ Jesus to do the good works he's called me to do. When I am getting offended, it's because I'm not thinking, I'm thinking that someone should be treating me better. <laughs> I have to laugh at that because look at how they treated Jesus. As we read in Hebrews, we read it actually in many different places, but consider him who endured such opposition from sinful man so you don't grow weary and lose heart in your struggle against sin. He, he was scourged. He was crucified on the cross for us, which is the worst way. The Romans figured out the worst way to cause someone to suffer the most. Jesus Christ of Nazareth did that for you and me, my friends, because he loves us. And so when you are offended, think about all the times when Jesus was scourged, falsely accused. I think that's one of the biggest triggers, to be honest with you, against the ego. When someone falsely accuses you of something, I've experienced that. Perhaps you have too. And that'll trigger you. And it actually comes from ego. And Jesus, not once did he open his mouth when he was falsely accused. He just stayed in his identity and didn't back down from his identity. Even when they were looking for him in the garden, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. I am he. He never backed down from his identity. Are you the son of God? It is as you said it is. So he never backed down from claiming his identity. And yet he didn't, he didn't put on the gloves when he was being offended to have to defend his identity because he knew whose he was. And that's, that's a whole other topic we're talking about here. We actually have a book called Stop Letting the World Be the Boss of You, 25 Solutions to Refresh Your Identity in Christ. So if you find yourself getting offended quickly, check that out because there are 25 solutions to refresh your identity in Christ. Stop letting the world be the boss of you. Satan knows our weaknesses and he slithers in. Another verse that you can say to move towards God in the midst of being offended is Proverbs 17, 9. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense. My friends, we are here to love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's how we make disciples of all nations, one person at a time. Wherever God places us, in the workplace, love first, then lead. As Mother Teresa says, when it comes to evangelism, you use your behavior, your actions, and when necessary, use words. Actions speak louder than words. Are you making God recognizable? And what are, you, what are you practicing as a spiritual practice to move closer to God? So I invite you to do the same thing this week. Make a T-chart. On the left side of the T-chart, simply list those things that move you away from God in your life. I talked about three today, gossip, slander, anger, rage, and being offended. And then on the right side, list those things that are connected to what you listed on the left side that move you closer to God. 
I spoke today about speaking the truth in love, Ephesians 4, 15, Colossians 3, 12 through 14, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience as a remedy to draw closer to God in the midst of anger and rage. Speaking the truth in love is a remedy to catapult you out of gossip and slander and being offended to think of a verse that you can respond to. I mentioned Proverbs 17.9, whoever would foster love covers over an offense. Or Galatians 2.20. Or we can even add, just for fun, Galatians 1.10, one of my favorites. Am I trying to win the approval of man or of God? Because when I'm trying to win the approval of man, I can share with you right now, in all authenticity, I will get offended because I'm depending upon man to see me in a certain light to affirm who I am. My identity does not belong to man. Neither does yours, my friends. It belongs to God. When you anchor your identity in God, you remember you're here for him. You are his ambassador. He's making his appeal to the world through you. And it's always, always about love. Love draws in, my friends. Judgment repels. It what, it's what saved my soul. And it what, it's what continually saves souls. I just saw a, I love watching testimonies. And this one was a man who grew up in the Bronx. And he was, um, grew up Jewish. I grew up in Long Island. And his, I mean, like seriously practicing Jewish family. And so he knew everything about the Jewish tradition. And, and it was, as he mentioned, it was, um, you know, when people said, oh, I'm Italian, I'm this, I'm that, he would say, I'm Jewish. It was, it was their, their, their culture, their, their identity in that sense. And he was getting married and he was debating where to go on his honeymoon. And someone suggested, actually several people suggested go to Israel. And he's like, I don't want to go to Israel. I'd rather go to Jamaica or something. I can lay on the beach. Yet he had enough people say, go to, go to Israel. And, and he had stopped practicing the Jewish faith and had gotten into some other, as he mentioned, more cultic type thinking. Um, so he really wasn't into his, into his Jewish practicing the Jewish faith. And so he ended up going to Israel. When he was in Israel, uh, he just did all the fun things in Israel and swam in the Red Sea and went water skiing and did a bunch of things. And then the last day, he went to the mountain of the Transfiguration. And he said, I just remember hearing something about this mountain and that it meant a lot. And so him and his new wife drove and and found the mountain and he found a sign that said this is the this is the mount i think it's mount tabor where the, the um transfiguration happened where jesus went up to the mountain uh took three of his disciples up to the mountain and he revealed his glory and he his clothes shone as white as the sun and Peter didn't really know what to do. So he said, let me build three tents for you guys, for Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. And Jesus asked him not to say anything until he was at the proper time when he was resurrected. And they didn't, but they wrote about it in the gospels. Either way, this is where Jesus revealed to three of his disciples 
that he was the son of God. In fact, they were able to see it with their own eyes, an eyewitness account. And so he found this mountain and he said that it was like an anchor that was tossed out to him and drew him to this mountain. And when he went to the mountain, he just knew that he had to go there and it was just unexplainable. And so when he was reading about the transfiguration in that area, he said, he heard a voice within him saying, come and pray to me. And he said, I didn't even know how to pray. I didn't even, I didn't pray. So I just closed my eyes. And all of a sudden I was given a vision. And the vision was of this figure that was clothed in white and was face as bright as the sun was walking toward him. And he said, I felt it. And he was tearing up as he was sharing this. Jesus came to him and embraced him and said, I love you. And he said, I went to Israel, a non-believer, and I came back a Christian and follower of Christ. How does that happen? And this is what Jesus did and continues to do today, my friends. He leads with love. He loves us enough not to leave us where we're at. And we're called to do the same thing. How do we do that? How do we make disciples of all nations? By anchoring our identity in God's love for us. By doing those things that move us toward God. And doing less of those things that move us away from God. It's a simple solution to grow closer to God. You can use it every day. At the end of your day, you can do an examination of consciousness. You could just basically go back over your day and simply ask, what did I do today or experience today that moved me closer to God? What did I do today that moved me away from God? And then what do I want to do more of tomorrow and less of tomorrow to help me to grow closer to God? Just write it on a sticky note and carry it in your pocket the next day and just repeat every day. What do I want to do more of? What do I want to do less of? More, less of the things that move me away from God, more of those things that move me toward God. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, sweet Jesus, we thank you for this topic. You were so simple in how you led, which is why you said you must become like a child to come to you, to know you, to love you. Give us the grace of awareness, as well as commitment within our hearts, so that we would be dedicated to you, to love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. So show us, dear God, today, what in our soul, our mind, and our strength has been occupying us and pulling us away from you today. Where do you want to renew within our heart, mind, soul, and strength to draw us closer to you today? Because as we experience your love for us, then we will be able to do the second part of that greatest commandment, to love our neighbors as ourselves, because we ourselves will see ourselves and experience the love you have for us. Help us to know how much you love us today, Lord. Come to us. Soften our, our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears to be able to hear and to understand, to turn to you and allow your love to save us. 
from all of those things that move us away from you and create dissatisfaction within our lives. We're created for you, Lord. Our heart beats for you. Have your way with us in spite of ourselves. We give you permission to override us when we get stuck in gossip, slander, anger, rage, or being offended. Give us wisdom to speak the truth in love, to be compassionate, kind, humble, and gentle, and patient. And help us to pray, constantly praying and talking to you throughout our day. Because it's only then that we can seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with you. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Give them heaven out there, my friends. There's enough of the dark side going on. Do those things that are going to move you closer to God, more today than yesterday. God bless you. I look forward to our next time together.